some portion of in the recent days. And uh, some things popped up for me that I would like to share with us. Uh, let us go to the book of Romans chapter 10. We'll be reading a, push, a, a couple of scriptures and pick out uh, points from them. Chapter 10, I can jump through to say verse four and read down. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who has faith. For Moses says that the man who does the righteousness which is of the law will get life by it. But the righteousness which is of faith says these words. Notice that the righteousness which is of faith says certain word. The righteousness which is of faith says certain words. Hallelujah. Say not in your heart, who will go up to heaven? That is to make Christ come down. The righteousness which is of faith says certain words. And it says, say not in your heart. So the righteousness which is of faith says something. And it says, say not in your heart. So the righteousness which is of faith and the faith which is dominating, the faith which is effectual, says from the heart, hallelujah. It says from the heart, we can go down and go down to verse 9. Because if you say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and have faith in your heart that God has made him come from back from the dead, you will have salvation. For with the heart, man has faith to get righteousness. And with the mouth, he says Jesus is Lord to get salvation. Let me read KJV. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is the general principle of faith, the general understanding we have of faith that you have to believe and you have to confess. And you know, sometimes, and many times we have learned, we have heard over the years that we should not rush to pray about anything, you should get a promise in God's word that you stand upon. But they say that when you get the promise, it doesn't necessarily mean that faith has come to your heart. A lot of times when you get a promise, a lot of times when you see a promise you've never seen before, it is exciting. And mostly it's exciting to the mind. It's exciting to the, to the, to the mind in that sense. It takes continuous looking into it and the spirit of God opening that word to you, that promise to you for faith concerning that promise to get settled in you. And then as you believe it and you speak it, you have it come to pass. You have it come to pass. we we'll see all over the scriptures that the first corresponding action to what you believe is what you say. Bible talks about the fact that it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. It is what you fill your heart with that you speak. That is the first response to in, in faith, first corresponding action in faith. Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, that we are having the same spirit of faith according as it is written. 
I believe. Therefore, have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. If you believe, you will speak. Well, you see, it is possible to be speaking without believing. But the faith that works, that is effectual, that is dominant, believes and speaks. But it's possible for one to speak and speak a lot without believing. However, as bad as it might be, there's still some good in it. Because if you speak it long enough, you'll get to a point where you begin to believe it. There's that link between what you speak and what you believe. If you begin to tell yourself a lie for a long time, it gets to a point where the line between the lies and the actual truth begins to get blood, you know, blood, and you begin to believe that lie. So how much more when the truth of God's word is being confessed, is being declared, even when your heart hasn't come to, you know, a full grasp of it. That's how it works. The more you keep saying it to yourself, the more you keep saying it to yourself, the more your heart begins to grasp it, the more you begin to gravitate in that direction. The more you begin to gravitate in that direction, the more things, the more elements begin to align in that direction with you. The more they begin to align in that direction with you, the more you believe it, the more you say it, the more you are saying it, the more you believe it. That's how it works. That's how it works. It works like it's a pendulum. As you swing it to believing, it will swing to say more. As you say more, swing it to say more, it will swing, swing you to believing more. Hallelujah. To swing you to believing more. The portion of the scripture that I read that, that brought some things to the fore for me that I said I would love to share is not even in these places we have read. Let us go to the book of Luke chapter 23. I want to take some examples from the events that uh, occurred around when Christ was uh, crucified. You see, from Luke chapter 23, uh, we had Jesus' disciples, they ran away after he was taken and all that. And all the while he was going through the, 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 the palace of Pilate down to Herod and back to Pilate. Uh, they all ran away, apart from Peter, who was looking around and eventually who denied him. You know, Jesus had more than the 12 disciples that were commonly named. He had, he had the 70, he had many other crowds that, that were following him. So some kept following him, even though they, 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 they stood afar, some women, some friends, and all that. They followed all through to observe all that was happening. You know, and mostly the women, they, they, they had made up their mind that they would sit to the end of it. They saw to the end of it, as we can see in the book of Luke chapter 23 from verse 47 down to uh, 55. They followed, they saw when he was taken and he was buried and, you know, wrapped with linen and buried in the, in the sepulcher and all that and all that and all that. And the Bible said that they went home and they prepared spices, perfumes and fragrances with the intent to go, you know, dress his body up with those spices so that uh, 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 it will not, uh, you know, decay easily. It will not uh, start smelling and all that. But next day was Sabbath. They had to rest according to the law. And on the morning of the third day, 
they went to where Jesus was buried, to the sepulcher. And on getting there, they didn't see his body. And they were surprised. And two beings appeared to them in shining bright lights. Who told them? Who asked them what they were looking for? And told them that how could they be looking for the living amongst the dead? You know? And then reminded them of all that Christ had told them. Notice this. He asked them, why were they looking for the living among the dead? These people were part of the people who were with Christ all along his work, his ministry, who had heard from him many times when he talked about the fact that the temple will be demolished and on the third day it will be built again, where he said it will be built unto the Son of Man like it was with Jonah in the belly of the fish for three days, it will come again. They had all this. But I just say the faith, the understanding, the depth of what he was saying never really settled in them. Hallelujah. It never really settled in them. It never really settled in them. They were here, even from Jesus' mouth. The same Jesus that they saw doing a lot of miracles, who raised the dead, and all that and all. But it never really settled with them. So the first time you see a promise does not necessarily mean that it has settled in you. Hallelujah. But there's a remedy for it. As soon as the two beings in shining garment told them and reminded them of the things that Christ had told them before, the woman believed and they ran back to their company to go tell the rest of the apostles. Hallelujah. They ran back to go tell the rest of the apostles that the Lord is risen. He is no more in the grave. You know what? The rest of the apostles they went to, they never believed. They were still wondering. Peter went there to go look. He saw that the body was no more in the grave. And he went his way. Hallelujah. He just quietly went his way. But you see, the other two who were on their way to Emmaus, they were just talking about and around the events that occurred. And that didn't make them still remember, you know, the promise as he made to them. It didn't still make them remember. Jesus joined them on their journey listen to them and ask them what they were talking about. They started recounting the old story. How, how there was a certain Jesus who was so powerful, who was from God, who, who the, the, the high priest and all that took to Pilate, how they buried him, how now some women amongst them came to tell them that uh, he's risen and all that. And how that got them afraid because they, they didn't understand how that could have happened and all that. Again, what did Jesus do? Jesus started expounding the scriptures to them from Moses and through the prophets. What was he doing? He took them back to the promises. He took them back to the word that God has, had spoken through the prophets, through Moses and all that to let them see what had been said aforetime what had been said prior to the events, to take their eyes away from just the event, but what had been written. Let them see that these events are just, you know, necessary for that which had been spoken 
to come to pass. This darkness that you might be facing might just be necessary for that glorious light that had been promised you to shine forth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then he went further. He has them for food. He blessed it and he fed them. Then their eyes got opened. And that was only when they were able to acknowledge his person, his presence. Hallelujah. That was only when they were able to acknowledge his person, his presence. You notice that before that, when they were explaining to him, they mentioned the fact that he was supposed to be the savior. That they expected that he would be the savior. But with what they were seeing, with the happenings, it didn't seem like that anymore. They had thought that he was the one that was going to save Israel. They expressed that in their saying. You know, let's read it. In verse 17 of that Luke 24, and Jesus said unto them, what manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them whose name was Cleopas answering said unto him, are thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, what things? And he said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and of rulers delivered him to, the, to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But, he trusted, but we trusted that it had been he which should redeem Israel. Now they were face to face with the Redeemer and they were still in doubt. They could not even recognize him. They could not even recognize that the things that he did, the things that he went through was necessary for their redemption. Hallelujah. But we trusted that it had been, okay, let me read another version. It says, but we were hoping that he would be the savior of Israel. Hallelujah. They were still in a place where they were open when he had actually done the work of salvation. Hallelujah. Why? Because they were, you know, expecting the Savior to come in certain manner. Their heart was not necessarily in the promise of the Savior, but rather in a method of salvation. Hallelujah. How did Jesus take care of this? He taught them through the same promises they were supposed to hold on to. He taught them by taking them back to those promises. He taught them by taking them back to those promises and then feeding them. I dare say feeding them with the word of life. Hallelujah. Yeah, the, 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 the fish and all that was just symbolic in my view. He fed them and then their eyes opened and then the, the lid, the, the veil covering their, the, the, the eyes of their minds, you know, the eyes of their hearts fell off and they could see clearly that this is the savior. This is the salvation we've been talking about. Then he left them. What happened next? Because now they believe they could boldly speak. They went to the larger house to go tell the rest of the apostles, the savior is risen. He is the savior. Our savior is not dead. That is not the end and all that, and all that. And while they were speaking again, Jesus appeared again. Hallelujah. Jesus appeared again, and he started talking to them again. 
showing them the holes in his hands, showing them where he was pierced on the side, and all that, and all that, and all that. What did he do again? To confirm to them that he was the savior, he asked for food. They gave him fish, and he ate before them, fed them again. Why am I going through all this? It just showed to me that as faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, anytime you have a promise, anytime you say that you believe in a promise, never leave that promise. Never leave that word. Keep exposing your heart to that promise because you can just be at one level or the other of these disciples like the ones that went looking for the living among the dead. Looking for the living among the dead. That action was not in congruence with what they claimed to believe. Hallelujah. That action was not in congruence with expecting a savior. When you go to the grave, looking for the person that is supposed to save you. Hallelujah. You know, or the ones that are down to, that had gone back to fishing or to what have you. That action does not resonate with what they said they were hoping for. Like this one said, we had hoped that he would be the one to save Israel. That action did not. But how was it corrected? How were they taught so that they could act according, so that they could act, you know, in consonance with that which they claimed to believe, with that which they were promised? They were taught. They were taken back to those promises. They were taken back to those promises. They were taken back to those promises. Of the larger house, the Bible records that Jesus began to explain to them, taught them, and he took them far as far as Bethany. You know, he took them far as far as Bethany, and eventually he lifted his hands, he blessed them, and he was taken into heaven while they kept worshiping him. They kept worshiping him until he left. When he left, they went back to Jerusalem, even to the synagogue, and kept worshiping. What happened? It became clear to them after he had explained, after he had taken them back to the promise, you know, after he had taken them back to the promise and reminded them of that promise, their heart opened. They saw light finally. It eventually clicked. That is the point where their faith in actual effect will be released. Hallelujah. Let's look at it. Let's look at uh, verse, you can read from 50. No, no, let's read from 49. Or rather, maybe I should go to 47. Jesus speaking to them from verse 46 says, and said unto them, thus is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that, repent, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of this. Hallelujah. Repentance and forgiveness of sin was part of the promises. And behold, I send thee, I send the promise of my father upon you. What was the promise? He had promised them that the father will pour his spirit upon all flesh. He had promised them that he was going to go away and another comforter would come. Hallelujah. 
he had promised them. And there was no point where they, 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 they said they, were, they, they weren't going to accept the comforter. They were expectant of the comforter. They were going to see how that pans out. But you see, their hearts were not settled in it. What did Jesus do? He told them, the Bible records that. If you go to Acts chapter 1, the Bible recorded what happened briefly here, that, that, that Luke, Matthew, Mark, and the rest of them captured briefly here, that Jesus actually stayed with them for 40 days. He actually stayed with them for 40 days explaining these things, these things about these promises to them for 40 days, 40 days. The disciples that lived with Jesus, disciples that walked with him, disciples that went around with him, disciples that did miracles, some miracles in his name. Hallelujah. Even while he was with them, he still had to teach them for 40 days. 40 days before these things settled in them. Don't rush to pray with any promise. Ensure that you sit with it. Ensure that you go back to it. Ensure that you are reminded of it. Ensure that it is exposed to you. Ensure that you are well fed with it. Ensure that you feed fat on it. Hallelujah. Ensure that you feed fat on it. Ensure that it is rolled over, expanded, expounded, exposed, revealed, and whatever to you by the Spirit of God. That time, you'll be sure that you are standing on it. At that time, you'll be sure that there is no ambiguity about it. At that time, you'll be sure that he that has promised will surely come, and you can run with it. Hallelujah. Little wonder, after that exposition, after that understanding, their heart received light, and they were able to stay patient in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came and they were endued with power. Hallelujah. And the first deposit of that salvation, the guarantee of that salvation, the guarantee of resurrection with Christ was deposited unto them. Hallelujah. So brethren, this morning, I just shared this to encourage each and every one of us not to assume that we already have attained when we find a promise in God's word but rather to stay with it until the Spirit has taken us through it, until we get to a point where, knowing fully where the faith is of the heart, that our heart are in congruence with it, that our heart are in sync, our heart have become one with that promise, our heart and that promise have become inseparable. That way, no matter what happens, no matter what we see, even when we see the body being lowered into the ground. We will not go there looking for the dead. We will be expecting a living being uh, walking on the streets of our hearts, uh, walking in our life, putting things to work in our lives. Hallelujah. We will not go looking for the dead among uh, the living amongst the dead like those, those women did. We will not down tool and go back to fishing. We will not just be talking about, about the promise, but rather we will be expectant of it. We'll be waiting to see. We will be expecting it to appear to us any moment. We'll be expecting our hands to handle it. It will not just be like a folktale to us. It will be so real that we want to, you know, so palpable to us. Hallelujah. And as such, we will not waver at those promises. We'll give glory to God. Like those last disciples in Luke 24 did when 
after Jesus has taught them for 40 days, the Bible says that they worshipped him as he was taken up. And they went back. Let me read it. Verse 22, uh, 52 and 53. They worshipped him and went back to Jerusalem very happy. They stayed at the temple all the time, praising and worshipping God. They worship because now they can see. Now they have received. Now we joy. They rejoice at those promises because they can now see it clearly. Because it has now settled in their heart. Because the depth of it, the dense density of that promise, has settled down in their heart. So, brethren, let's step out this week, knowing whom we believe, knowing that which we believe, and spending more time fellowshipping with that and whom we believe. That way, faith being of the heart will act in a manner that is corresponding to that which we believe and that which we believe our hands will handle. Thank you very much. We will not seek the living amongst the dead, not in any way, not at any time in our lives, if we do this. Enjoy the rest of the week. Amen.